So how's everyone doing today? Well, fantastic. Um, two starting spots you can open up to. Psalm 50 and 1 Timothy 6. Okay. And we'll begin with Psalm 50 in verse 23, and then we'll pray. Psalm 50, 23, we're going to read the A portion of the text. It says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together. I thank you for this opportunity to gather with our with our family, our brothers and sisters, to draw close to you, or to worship you in this morning, to thank you for your goodness and grace. Lord, we want to be grateful people, and it's, it's surprising how every, every prayer that's come forth today has been about that. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts concerning it. That you'd fill us with gratitude that we'd overwhelm or we'd uh, overflow with thanksgiving and that we would glorify you greatly in this place. And Lord, I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 A lot was happening with the lights during that prayer. Did you get that? I did that with my mind. Hey there. Okay, so... Um, uh, busy stuff happening this week. You know, everything is happening with the, the Highlander up there and uh, Sam driving back and forth. Listening to him, I just, I, I couldn't help but think while you're up here talking, I am totally open to giving all of me in life just as long as I don't have to give my blood on the asphalt. <laughs> <laughs> Can I pass on that and just go right to the, the other stuff? No, Corinne, you're shaking your head. Maybe, I don't know. Why would you want my blood on the asphalt? That's terrible. Um, okay, so I digress. Now, he asked me to fill in for him this week, and I thought that, uh, okay, well, this, uh, that won't be too difficult to task. Uh, you know, granted, this uh, week on Tuesday, my mom had brain surgery, but that went well last time, so I assumed that you know, it would kind of go well this time and it wouldn't be uh, too uh, strenuous to, to work this into everything else. And then... Uh, she took a turn for the worse on Wednesday, the day after her brain surgery, and we were at the hospital every day subsequently. And, and, uh, and then on, on Saturday, uh, when she came home, um, I had my state test, the, the C-Best, right? So I went in for that in the morning. And, uh, and then, and Christina was there. Is Christina here? I don't see Christina. Okay, well, let's all talk about her. Dish, dish. <laughs> You know, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, but uh, and I, I had that test, and then at, there she is, and she heard me out there. It's crazy. Technology these days. She came frolicking over and waved and scampered away. Okay. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, and, and uh, then we had our ultrasound that evening, so I, I kind of, you know, and, and I, hate, I hate it when this, when this happens, and it seems to happen quite often to me where I'll, start to put a study together and I'll have this really great three-point thing going on and, 
And I'm like, yes, I need to bring this, you know, because this is the type of message that after I'm done preaching it, Beth is going to come up to me and say, oh, that was such a blessing, you know, and I'm like, I got to I got to have those three points so that I get so that I get Beth, you know, and uh, but, you know, and every single time I, I get those messages together, it feels like and then something happens uh, where I just feel like, you know, God's you know, tugging on my heart saying, yeah, that's not really what I want you to teach. And I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of what I prepared for, so it's going to happen. And, uh, and then God's like, okay, we'll have fun. And then I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, you're coming too, right? And, and he's like, no, you're on your own, kid. And I'm like, ah, okay, fine, have it your way. Every time with this God telling me what to do. And, uh, and so I got to work last night at, you know, after, uh, after everything that happened with the ultrasound, I sat down and and it, I think it all started with the CVEST test. Um, and there are, there are probably very few sermons that begin that way. It all started with the CVEST, right? And I, I went in for that test, and, uh, and I sat down, and you have your reading portion. I knocked that guy out. Math came, you know, took care of that one. Then the first essay, and then the second essay. And I stopped, and I read it, and I said... I think I need to preach on that. Um, and I don't know if, if Christina had the same prompt. It was the prompt number two. And it, it, it presented this kind of scenario. And it said, imagine a gathering of educators, and you're required to write an address to be read to them on happiness, uh, specifically finding happiness in small, insignificant, and often overlooked moments of life. And I began this essay uh, by saying that the great struggle that we face in life is uh, drawing the distinction between the marvelous and the mundane. You know, making this distinction between what is spectacular and what is superfluous. It's in delineating, you know, the, these two that are awe-inspiring and enormous and what is nothing because we've allowed it or we've accepted it as normal. And let me explain what I mean by that. I believe that normalcy is the great enemy of appreciating life to its fullest and finding this profound sense of what the prompt would call uh, happiness. It always is, right? And, and, and I compared it yesterday when I wrote to uh, taking a bath after a hard day of work. Now, it's been a long time since I've taken a bath. There's something fundamentally wrong with a man taking a bath. Really, I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's not right, you know? And, uh, but, you know, about a week ago, I came home uh, from work and, and Corinne was sitting in her chair. Um, you know, we got this leather chair and it's like, it's, it's a throne. That thing is just wonderful. And I got it thinking that that would be my throne. And I never get to sit in it. <laughs> but I came home, and she was sitting there. And uh, she had her 
feet up, you know, because they're sore from walking around all day, carting around this, you know, baby. Which was, what was it? It was the size of a fist then? What is it the size of now? Is it, was it a pepper? Is it a green pepper? Is the last time I talked to you? They have all these things that you read, and it's like, now your baby's a potato. And it's like, <laughs> I hope not, you know, because <laughs> that'd be terrible. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a banana now? Okay. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so she's sitting there with her feet up and, and she's like, gosh, I'm just exhausted. It's been such a long day and, and all this. So I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run you a bath. All right. So I went into our bathroom and I turned on the hot water and got it just, you know, just marvelous there with that water. It's nice and warm. And then as it's filling up, I start dumping in all the bubbles and it's filling up in bubbles. And then I start lighting all the candles in there so it's nice and relaxing and dim. I set out a magazine for her. It was, a, it was an in-touch, right? It was had the Kardashians on the cover. It was like, is Chloe really a Kardashian? I was like, I want to know, you know? So, so I set that out for her. And I was looking at it, and I was thinking, gosh, I want to take a bath. You know? And I'm looking at this. It just looks like the best thing in the world, all right? And I'm like, but I can't do that. You know, because still I'm a guy. I get in there and my beard's going to jump off my face. It's going to be like, you're not a man anymore. I'm out of here. You know? Like, okay. So I had to abide by that, you know? But so I call her in, she gets in the bath, and, and, you know, there's just something about a bath after a hard day of work. It's warm and relaxing and in every way peaceful and serene. You get in there and that water just envelops your body and soothes you and every inch of you is just <sighs> satisfied and there's there's no there's no explaining it right there's there's no comprehending it it's beyond reason and 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 it is that way for a couple of minutes right and then it's not anymore because that has become the new normal. And you're no longer impressed by it and enraptured by the greatness of it. You're just, at that point, you're used to it. And we don't just do that with baths. We do that with everything. Right? We do that with our friends and family. We do that with our health and vitality. We do that with our Christianity. Right? And I came to the point on Wednesday when I was at the hospital with my mom where I was confronted with this conclusion and I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, and I don't think God wants us to do that here. And so I started with this verse that we're going to examine as we move through our time. And it's Psalm 50, verse 23. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. We honor God in the moments that we stop and look upon him and praise him when we thank him for the smallest details that he's brought together for us, for the most minute blessings that are just often overlooked and, and to be quite honest, expected. And how presumptuous is it for us to expect anything from God. 
yet he has, in a million ways, made it impossible for us to be anything but incredibly grateful. Yet we're not so often. And so I thought what we would do this morning is give, give this time over to a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And it is a sacrifice of thanksgiving that honors him. Without it, we forget the enormity of it all, the greatness of his blessings. With it, we can savor and appreciate everything as something that is more than just normal, right? Because what we have set before us and what we experience day in and day out is a lot more than just normal, though we often take it that way. So you can count this sermon as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I'll try and include something in there for everyone as we go through it, but most likely we're going to end a wee bit early today. So maybe you guys can repeat some more songs when you come up here because they were fantastic. Um, A few years ago, I got an opportunity to uh, travel, to sit under a pastor of the largest church of, uh, of its kind on that continent, the continent of Europe. It was the largest one of those churches out there. I'm not going to say what kind of church it is because then you could probably track down the pastor. Maybe you wouldn't like me talking about this. What are the odds that he's ever going to hear about this? Let's be honest, though. Um, And as we arrived, he bid us adieu to an unknown and undisclosed location. We came in and he left. And he was gone for three months, right? Nearly the entire semester. Right? He was just gone, and, and we had no idea why. And when we had officially given up on ever actually hearing him, he returned, kind of out of the nowhere. And he returned to a thriving, healthy church, right? He returned to a loving family. He returned to a patient congregation, a supportive staff, and us, his eager learners. What could this guy possibly have been running from? And he stood before us on that Sunday and said that he left because he was anxious and unhappy. He had an itch, this suspicion that led him to wonder that maybe he was missing something out there. And so for three months, he traveled the world to find out what it is. I don't know how much of the world you can travel in three months, but he just struck out to find whatever it is that he was missing. And at the end, he said he came upon this verse. It's a verse that has been seared in my memory since that Sunday. And it's the second verse I want to share with you today. In 1 Timothy 6.6. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And here's the point, and yes, it might sound a bit schmaltzy and almost uh, a tidbit trite, but you can travel the world to find contentment. Right? You can seek it uh, around every corner of every department store, And in every indecent activity, uh, you can long for it in relationships. 
right? You can search for the satisfaction of it in a job or in a drug, and it won't be there. It'll elude you um, because it's only found in the fulfillment of the first condition of this verse, which is godliness. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word godliness. You know, maybe it, it strikes, your, uh, strikes your fancy in a different area. When I think of the word godliness, I think of doing good stuff. I think of doing stuff that makes me, at least in some, to some degree, appear like God. It's godliness. Um, but the word literally means devotion or religion. All right? And I know it's not popular these days to call Christianity a religion, and I think I even uh, talked about this last time I was before you. Uh, but it's up again in the text. So <clears throat> I don't know how to not cough into this. <laughs> it's, it's attached to my person. But, uh, but, but it's, it's here before us again, so you've you got to get into it. Now, everyone uh, likes to say that Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship, right? But the word religion, literally, it's, it's etymology, it's origin, means to be relinked to God. Uh, so your back's kind of up against a wall if you say that Christianity isn't a religion. Uh, because you're saying, in saying that, that Christianity does not have the ability to relink a person to God. Uh, which is wrong. Christianity is the only way that you can be relinked to God. So Christianity is not only a religion, it is the religion. Right? So uh, this is what this word is all about. Is It's exactly what we have here. We have this religion. It's this relinking with God that has caused us to have this relationship with God. That's what the word means. And, and it's at the essence, right? And at its essence, it, it is the only necessary channel that needs to be opened in order for a human to access contentment, this side of heaven and on the other side. That's the one that's got to be open. It's godliness. It's religion. It's being relinked with God. Right? We have to be relinked to him. And I, and I don't have to tell you that when that happens, it's a little bit more satisfying than a warm bath. It's something that you absolutely marvel in. It's something that in an altogether different way envelops you and soothes every inch of you. And, and if that was it, that would be enough, right? What more could you possibly ask for than being relinked with God? He's pulled you out of the pit. The war is over. You're relinked to your creator. But not only has he not condemned you, follow along with me, not only has he not condemned you, right, he loves you. And on top of that, he, he, he doesn't just love you in word, he loves you in deed, he died for you. And then he didn't just die for me, he pardoned me and forgave me. He didn't just forgive me. He opened up his home to me. 
He didn't just open up his home for me. He adopted me. And he didn't just adopt me. He promised to never leave me or forsake me. And I could have just said, okay, I died for you, but you have a hefty debt to pay off now. So you better get to work to earn what I just did for you. And that would be completely reasonable. But he didn't do that. He could have said, okay, now I'll bring you into my house, but you're my slave. So you better get down on your face and grovel, and I would do it. But he didn't do that. He brought me into his house. And he said, now you're my son. You're my daughter. You are a child of my father. Now he could have brought me in and adopted me and said, okay, you're my child. But now you better get your act together or there's the door. But he doesn't do that. And he's patient and he's kind. And daily he is more than merciful and abounding in loving kindness. And I'm overwhelmed by this religion. I'm overwhelmed by this relinking to God that allows me to have this relationship with God and such a good God. So now here's the question. Why am I not content? Let's stop there and think about that for a second. Why are we often not content if we have all of this? Right? I mean, if, if, this, uh, if I have all this, then why? Why am I not, you know, bounding through fields of daisies and, you know, and saying, oh, what a glorious day and what a great God we serve and oh, isn't life just grand? And, and I certainly have more than enough to be thankful for. So why is it that all Christians in all places at all times aren't the happiest, most insane with thanksgiving and gratitude, content out of their minds kind of people in this world? Why is that? A few months ago, uh, my wife came home. and No, this is about a month ago. And, and she always comes home. Maybe that was a weird way to start that story. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like that was unique. Um, but uh, uh, it was about a month ago that she came home, and I said, I-, I have to tell you something. But when I tell you, you have to promise not to lose all respect for me. And I would like you to promise the same this morning. But you probably will. And she agreed, and so I proceeded. And I said, I was sitting on the couch this morning, I was getting ready to go to work. I had just tied my shoes. And I thought to myself, self, don't forget your cell phone. So I looked on the couch, and I didn't see my cell phone. And, and I got up, and I said, okay, well, I'm already going to be running late pretty soon, so I've got to retrace my steps really quickly. So I ran into the bathroom and looked around. There's no cell phone, right? So I ran out of the bathroom, ran into the bedroom, thought, well, maybe it's still on the bedside table, plugged in, charging. wasn't there, not there. Where do I go? 
I saw my robe on the ground. I was wearing my robe this morning. Maybe it's in my robe pocket. So I step on my robe. That's what I do to check things. Because <laughs> bending is just so overrated. <laughs> so I'm stepping on my robe. And I don't feel any, anything in there. So I think, okay, well, maybe, maybe I was on the computer this morning. So I ran back into my office nook, looked around on the, on the desk back there, and no cell phone. So I'm thinking, what's going on here? So I run back into the kitchen. I'm like, I got to get going pretty soon. I look on the kitchen counter. It's not there. I put my hands down. And I'm like, ah, where's my cell phone? And my eyes follow the, the trajectory of my hand. And I see my cell phone in my hand. <laughs> and to my dismay, it was in my right hand. To my shame, to my shame, it was there the entire time. <laughs> I needed, and I needed to look all over my house for what was in my hand the entire time. But then again, this pastor had to look all over the world for it, right? It's always there. He's always there, right? It's, it's him. It's in the appreciation of him and his often overlooked goodness and provision, right? He's, he, he is the, the, the warm bath that we've grown accustomed to. He's the cell phone that's been in our right hand the entire time, only he's greater than that because he's closer than that. He's been within us the entire time, and we're oblivious to him most of the time. And pastors stood before us and said, godliness with contentment is great gain. He said, I went out and I stayed out stubbornly for three months trying to find something I was missing. And I couldn't come up with a single thing. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Because maybe you've been there. We've all been there. Let's be honest. He said, I went out, I stayed out for three months trying to find the thing I was missing. I couldn't come up with a single thing. Couldn't come up with a single thing that his life is missing. What am I looking for? What am I longing for? What could I possibly need that isn't provided in him? And if you can think of it, I would love to hear it. Because I can't think of it either. Right, is it an iPad? Yeah, boss is talking to her a couple... Oh, I shouldn't talk about her. Is this dude? I don't know. I don't know his name. <laughs> and... Uh, it's like, gosh, I gotta get this iPad. I mean, this thing is amazing. You could like go like this, and it all closes. That's spectacular. And it just sits there. And uh, it's a new car. Maybe it's that. Yeah, maybe it's a bigger house. Maybe it's an exciting uh, ministry or a new opportunity. And the prompt said that I was writing on yesterday. It said. Consider the small things that bring satisfaction. Listen, Solomon had all things, great and small. What he didn't have was contentment with them. So what makes one content? The word in the Greek implies two essential things. You can write it down if you're taking notes. The first thing that the word in Greek implies is needing nothing. 
The second thing is being grateful for everything. Needing nothing, being grateful for everything. Pastor said, I left because I thought I was missing something. I came home, realized that not only am I missing nothing, but there is so much that I have I'm not even grateful for. And there was something in the prompt and in this week that caused me to come home with that pastor once again. He was out for three, three months. I have no idea how long I was out. It's been a long time since I've been home. And when I came back, I was overwhelmed by what I found. It's not all this stuff that's around me. It's the appreciation of what it means to be relinked to a God that's within me. And it's finding contentment in all that God daily does to bless me. Now, uh, when you consider that, you'll come to the conclusion that you can never exhaust it. Now, I don't care who you are, what you're going through. Um, you will not come up empty-handed when you consider the kindness of God. And, and it might actually be easier to find the kindness of God when you're going through the tough times in the valley than when you're going through the easy times on the mountaintops. See, I was thinking about this on my way home yesterday, and there was this song, it was a hymn, uh, at, my, at my old Baptist church. <clears throat> and since this is a sacrifice of thanksgiving, I thought it would be appropriate to integrate it, seeing as I was singing it on my way home. And it's a terrible song. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not stylish in the slightest. Uh, it, it's, it's an old hymn. It's called Count Your Blessings. How many of you have ever heard the song Count Your Blessings? Ah, oh, God bless you people. I love that song, Count Your Blessings. Um, and I love it because the last line of the refrain, it really slows down, maybe if you do it in the old style and everything. And, and, and it goes, count your blessings, name them one by one. And then it picks up, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And I've always loved that last part. It's just, it's fun. My favorite part about the song uh, was uh, my grandma singing it at my old Baptist church. And my grandma has a terrible singing voice. I know the Bible says make a joyful noise and all that stuff, but they did not know her when they wrote that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but, and, and, and in addition to her just bad singing voice, uh, she also is very loud and off-tempo, which was great for that song because it had this weird kind of tempo change in there. So at any given moment in the song, she would be belting it out, you know, and everybody else would be silent. <laughs> but she didn't care. That was my grandma. Yeah, but the, the message of the song is true. And it's a wonderful message. And we are enormously blessed. And we would see that if we took the time to do exactly what it tells us to do, is to just stop and count your blessings. To name them one by one. To see how many there are and to see all that God has done. We are so blessed. If we tried to name them, we would be buried under the lot of them. And be overwhelmed by them. Be so caught up in a sacrifice of thanksgiving 
as a result of them. God is incredibly good. Realizing that ought to make me incredibly happy. But listen, that's where the prompt ended, but that's really where this story begins, because it isn't about me, really, and me being happy. It's about God, really, and him receiving glory. And uh, let's move towards a conclusion, as I tell you that, that doing what we are created to do, which is giving God glory, is so effectively done through expressing gratitude. It's repeated over and over in his word. You already have Psalm 50. Let me give you two more. Hebrews 12, 28. It's in Hebrews 12, 28. It says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Let's be grateful for that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. This is what God has created us to do. This is his will. It's amazing that when we think of the will of God, we think of something dynamic and, 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 and incredible and dramatic and all this. This is the will of God. This brings him such great glory, is when we're just grateful for all that he's done. When we're not ignoring it and dismissing it. When we're not uh, like bratty kids taking and demanding more and not saying thank you. When we stop and praise him and give him all the reverence due him because of the goodness of him. I ended my essay this way and, and I'll, I'll end the message this way. Okay, so I'm 28 years old. I'm going to be 29 years old pretty soon. Um, my mom has been there every step of the way. There, uh, there's never been a moment during my three decades uh, where, her present, where her presence wasn't an expected part of my normal world. So when she went in uh, for a routine checkup a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago now, right, they discovered that she had two brain aneurysms, and they found a third one during her first surgery. That first surgery was very successful, and so we assumed that her second surgery would be so as well, and it appeared to be at first. And um, her surgery was on Tuesday, and maybe that night or maybe Wednesday morning um, when it was discovered, uh, we found out that she had a stroke. Um, and it was my dad who called me the next morning, right? And he said, your mother has lost the ability to control her body effectively and to communicate coherently. And she couldn't answer simple questions. She would get stuck on a word, like a scratched record on an old player. Right? And they, they, asked her, uh, they asked her what month it is, and she said May. Which I was thinking, that's not a terrible answer. I mean, May isn't in the far distant past. And then they said, what year is it? 
And she said, May. And they said, where are you? And she stared at them for a while and said, May. Um, <clears throat> later that day, they asked her who the president is. And uh, she said, oh. And we thought, great. She's going to nail this one. She's about to say Obama. And she said, oh, Jay Simpson. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Which is wrong, you know? <laughs> but that is, that is so good. You can't make that stuff up. Um, my brother asked her when we were in the room, he said, Mom, who, who is that woman? He pointed to my wife who's standing in the corner. And my mom stared at Corinne for a while, and then she said, Pregnant. Um, and she said, well, she is pregnant, but do you remember her name? And my mom said, pregnant. Um, and it was as adorable as it was heart-wrenching. Right? She was frustrated and confused and stressed out and exhausted and, and discouraged. My boss gave me the rest of the week off to spend time with her, which is incredible for my job. And, she was like, you just need time to be there, you know, to celebrate her accomplishments, to be there to encourage her during her struggles. And, and listen, I speak, I speak every day. It's normal. And I'm not grateful for it. Honestly, I don't, I don't even think about it, like ever. I just, just do it. I, I can easily hold up my hand and show you two fingers. But she couldn't. I wouldn't even think about that either. It's normal. I'm not grateful. Right? Maybe when I was maybe when I was a baby, those were warm bath waters and they were exciting and refreshing. But they've become so normal that they're in no way exciting. And staring at her struggle to do these simple things is only scratching the surface of how ungrateful I really am for these things that have become normal. And here's where it gets tough, and here's where I want to I challenge you in the last two minutes. My mom always being there is normal. Right? For the last 28 years, I've grown so accustomed to her that I don't even think about it. It's normal. And I'm not grateful. And that really hurt me to think about. That if I would have lost her at that moment, I would have regretted so many moments that I didn't relish while I had them. And so many times when I wasn't grateful for something that is so wonderful because to me, it had just become normal. When I didn't offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving for my family, every single one of them, because I'm just so used to them. When I am so lucky, fortunate, blessed to have them, even my brother, and he drives me bananas. I'm lucky to have him. And finally, and this is what brought me here today. Over the last 10 years, 
that I've been relinked to God. That has become part of my normal. And I found myself at this point where I stopped and I considered, am I really grateful for all of this, for all of him, for all that's happened since I've been connected back to him? Or has it just been so normal that I don't appreciate it, I just expect it? Listen, godliness with contentment is great gain. The Greek word there, great gain, means a massive wealth. Both elements in harmony are wonderful and beautiful. The deficit of one of them is absolute poverty. A life where you're relinked to God, but oblivious of his goodness, is a real tragedy. You know, churches all across America today, they're preaching about wealth and prosperity. They're talking about how to have this great gain. This is where it's at. It's in... It's in being relinked to God and appreciating him every moment in everything. You know, on Thursday, my mom woke up and she could talk. That, that's an absolute miracle. But you know, the sad thing about it is, it was a miracle every day before that. I just never noticed it. On Friday, she walked. And that's a miracle. It was a miracle every day before that too. And I never took it for granted, or I never appreciated it, I took it for granted. Here is where we should seek our great gain. Here's where we can find our great gain. Here's where we discover contentment. It's in marveling in the wonder of a God that has relinked us to himself. It's in the satisfaction of needing nothing and being grateful for everything. It's in offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving that will honor him that will give him the glory that is due him. For he is truly glorious beyond the measure of our gratitude. I'm sorry, I've kept you way too late. We're we're two minutes over. (laughs) Let's close in a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this this morning that we can be with our, our family our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be linked together in this relationship with you. For truly in such a relationship, we have need of nothing to supplement. And Lord, we ought to be so grateful for your goodness. I pray, Lord, during those moments that we forget it, that we take it for granted, you would draw us back to yourself and that we would see you for who you are. You are the one that works miracles in our lives every moment of
of every day. Thank you, Lord. I pray, God, that you are honored by our sacrifice of thanksgiving today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.